Well, this morning we're going to be continuing our mini-series through the life and ministry of Jesus. This morning we'll be looking at Matthew chapter 11, verses 25 through 30. So you can please uh, follow along with me at home. Remember, beloved, these are the very written words of God. At that time, Jesus declared, I thank you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, that you have hidden these things from the wise and understanding and revealed them to little children. Yes, Father, for such was your gracious will. All things have been handed over to me by my Father, and no one knows the Son except the Father, and no one knows the Father except the Son, and anyone to whom the Son chooses to reveal him. Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy, and my burden is light. Indeed, the grass withers and the flower fades, but the word of our Lord stands forever, and may he add his blessing to it. Amen. Well, a couple weeks ago, I took my sons, Cole and Jack, to Big Bend National Park for spring break. It's one of our favorite places and truly one of the most beautiful places I have ever been. Before we left, I happened to be talking to one of our members who is going to remain nameless, Dan Bowers, and he was telling me about a hike that he and his son Connor and their Boy Scout troop had recently completed in the park. It's the Emory Peak Trail. It's gorgeous, and even though it's about 10.5 miles, Dan assured me that it is no problem. And I am here to assure you that it was a problem. And I mean a big problem. I know that Dan is a wonderful doctor and an even better man, but an expert on the difficulty of hiking trails at Big Bend National Park, Dan most assuredly is not. There were points at which I felt like I was climbing Mount Everest. About three hours in, I asked someone on their way down how much farther to the top, and he looked at me with pity in his eyes and said it was about another hour with lots of switchbacks. And I said, what do you mean switchbacks? And he's like, you know, like, like switchbacks. And, and I've grown to understand what he meant. I now know what switchbacks are, and um, I do not like switchbacks. To say that I felt weary and heavy laden when I finally got to the end of my seven hour hike, Dan, would be a massive understatement. Indeed, honestly, the only thing that enabled me to survive to the end was the number of, of rests that I took. Apart from that, they would have had to chopper me out. In many ways, friends, that's how the people of Jesus's day felt spiritually. They felt exhausted and overwhelmed, burnt out and at their wits end. They felt that way because of the Pharisees. The Pharisees were the religious authorities of their day, determined not to break any of God's laws. The Pharisees had over time devised an intricate system of oral tradition to keep them from breaking the laws of the Old Testament. The laws of the Old Testament, the Mosaic Law, contains 613 laws instructing the Jews on how to live, on how to worship, on how to love God and neighbor. And believe it or not, the Pharisees added almost countless laws to that, for example, as it related to keeping the Sabbath. The Pharisees added 
an additional 39 regulations to make sure the Sabbath day was kept properly. And under each of these 39 regulations, there were additional instructions. The Jews were taught they couldn't do anything that even resembled something that was forbidden on the Sabbath or might be confused with something forbidden on the Sabbath or a habit linked with something forbidden on the Sabbath or anything that might possibly lead to something forbidden on the Sabbath. The Pharisees and the rabbis would describe this as they were building a fence around the law of God to keep the Lord's people from breaking it. The problem was they built fence after fence after fence after fence, many of which were so onerous and burdensome and seemed absurd. And by the time that Jesus came on the, the scene, the people of God, the Lord's people, were completely oppressed and even depressed. Another example, the Bible forbids bearing a burden, carrying a burden on the Sabbath day. And Pharisaical regulations defined and detailed what constituted a burden that could not be carried or borne on the Sabbath day. Generally, a burden was anything as heavy as a dried fig or a scrap of paper large enough to be converted into a note or wrapper. It prescribed what might or might not be saved if your house caught on fire. If your house caught on fire, you could only go in to get the clothes that were absolutely necessary to get. And if you were a woman and you went in, you couldn't take all you couldn't take out all your dresses at once. You had to go in and put on the dress and take it out and then go back in and put on another dress and take it out. And that's how you would get your clothes out. Uh, by that time, the house probably wasn't going to be there or maybe you got burned in the process. It was absurd. It was ridiculous. And again, this isn't God's law. This is Pharisaical man-made law intended to keep people from breaking God's law. If your house was burning down, you could not ask for a Gentile to help you. But if the Gentile freely offered to help you, you could allow him to help you. Friends, these rules and the Pharisees' obsession with them completely overwhelmed the people. And that's how they felt. Um, that's what they felt made them right with God was to try to do all these things. And so Jesus came to speak into that, to challenge that, to lean into that, and to put a stop to that. Verses 25 and 26. At that time, Jesus declared, I thank you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, that you have hidden these things, meaning things related to salvation, from the wise and understanding, and revealed them to little children. Yes, Father, for such was your gracious will. In other words, Jesus, Jesus hid the riches of salvation from those who viewed themselves to be wise and understanding and not in need of anything that Jesus had to offer. That's how most of the Pharisees were. That's how many people were during that time as they felt like they were too smart, too wise, um, too thoughtful to need anything that Jesus had to say, but, 
But to those who saw their need and to those who were overwhelmed, to those who understood that they needed rest, Jesus extended the following invitation in verses 28 and 29. Jesus said, these are some of the sweetest words that a Christian could ever hear. Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. In Jesus's context, and even in some places today, a yoke was a wooden beam that harnessed two animals together to carry a heavy load. And in Jesus's day, taking on the yoke of someone had become a metaphor for becoming the disciple of someone. And therefore, to take on Jesus's yoke was to become his disciple. And becoming his disciple meant taking off the yoke of the Pharisees with all of their man-made regulations and their get-to-heaven-by-my-good-deeds mentality. Okay, taking on Jesus' yoke implied taking off their yoke to trust in him, to rest in him, to submit to his lordship and leadership. In this context, resting in Christ meant trusting in Jesus to get to heaven and not in your ability to keep the law because no one can do it. And to try to do it is completely overwhelming. Friends, think of what a relief it would have been to the Jews of Jesus' day to hear that the Messiah had come and that there was another way, another way that did not involve endless do's and don'ts, another way that, that involved trusting in the person and work of Jesus Christ, in who he was and in what he did. It would have been a relief beyond description. If you're like me, you, you take for granted the grace of God that we have and we know that's available to us through the Lord Jesus Christ. For the, for the original audience here, uh, this would have been new and it would have been to many of them the greatest thing they had ever heard, hence the name Good News. To think that all you have to do is rest in Jesus, that the work of God we're called to do is trust in him and draw near to him. Life-changing, completely life-changing. It was life-changing then and it's life-changing now. You might be wondering, what does this have to do with with us, with what we're going through now. Well, I would say this, simply knowing that we are yoked to him, both now and always, brings rest.
Everyone wants to know how bad this is going to be and when it's going to end and how much damage it's going to do. And we don't know. But think how comforting it is and how restful it is to know that we know the one that does. We know the one who knows everything that has ever been and everything that ever will be. We know the one who does, and that is something or someone that we can rest in. If you're like me, you are overwhelmed by looking at the stock market. Um, if you're like me, it's, you're overwhelmed with thinking through all the eventualities. When is the economy going to open up? When are we going to be able to go back up? You know, I think, well, what happens if, what happens if, if, if you know, all of us lose our jobs and, and this and that? And what would I do? And this eventuality and I catastrophize and it's overwhelming. And if you're like me, you can be easily overwhelmed. Jesus said, come to me, all you who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Brothers and sisters, in this difficult time, the work we have to do is to rest in Jesus. Trust in him. Leave all this to him. Follow him. Put on his yoke. Know that he's going before us. He's led his people for thousands of years. And he's going to lead us. Amen and amen.